so just finishing off with um, um, with Jeremiah, uh, verse seven of um, chapter one. Uh, uh, God tells Jeremiah that his God's authority is with him, um, and that's true for us too. So, verse seven. Let's look at that. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 7 but the Lord said to me do not say I am a youth because everywhere I send you you shall go and all that I command you you shall speak so this is the authority of God that he's saying uh, giving over to Jeremiah he's saying to him I want you to go where I want and say what I want and um, your response to that is just okay (laughs) yes Lord and that, was, that had to be Jeremiah's response. And it doesn't matter his weakness. That's what God's saying to him. Do not say that because I am a youth. Do not say. Don't give, come back with your, the reasons you can't go. Just understand that I am with you and that my authority goes with you. And he says the same thing in verse 9. Look at verse 9. Um, then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. This is part of the, um, the understanding in us that, that God's words have power and that he puts them in our mouth. He puts them in our mouth. That's what Jesus will tell the disciples. Don't worry about what you're going to say when, when you stand before kings. The Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance the things I have said to you. So the, the things that he brings to their remembrance is we find in the word of God. So don't worry about what you're saying. Um, because I will give you what to say. I will put my words in your mouth. And verse 10, this is the effect that these words are going to have. Look at verse 10. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. In other words, when Jeremiah speaks the word of God, when he announces judgment or when he promises a blessing, it will happen. It will happen. Because God will make good on his promise. He will stand by his word. Uh, Isaiah 55, my word never returns empty or void without accomplishing the purpose for which I sent it. So how does God send his word? How does he send his word? Through the Bible and? Through us. He speaks his word through us. God is a relational God. We experience him in relationship and he is a communicating God and he communicates through us to the world. And and what he's telling Jeremiah is, particularly for Jeremiah, this is not true for you and I, if we pronounce judgment on someone, doesn't necessarily mean that judgment will be. But if you stand and say, if you do not believe in the Lord Jesus, you will receive the judgment of God on your life That is the truth, and that will happen, because God's word never returns void. No, 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 he doesn't. He's been really successful in that. Yeah, really successful. Isaiah 55, I think it's 9 and 10, but it's around there. Um... So the judgments will break down. What, what God is, look at what he's saying is um, the judgments that he speaks will actually break down, destroy and overthrow, pluck up and break down. And the, the blessings that he speaks will build and plant. So it's a twofold thing. If you are to speak God's word, then God has a purpose for you speaking his word. You may not always see the purpose. Do you know what I mean? You may not know, is that person going to believe eventually or are they not going to believe? But you are called simply to speak the truth. To speak it in love, of course. To speak it with grace and with mercy, but to speak the truth. If you don't tell people that there is a place called hell, they will never know. They will believe that this life is hell. They will believe that that nothing could get worse than this. That's what they will believe, and that's what Satan wants them to believe. So, um, what does it mean then? You know, the judgments will break down, the promises will build up. What does all of this mean to us? Because we're not all Jeremiah. Well, we're not, none of us are Jeremiah. Who was Jeremiah? But we're not all called to the same thing. So, what does it mean to us then? We're supposed to take the principles of this and move it into our life. So. 
Yes, yes, right, yes. We need to find out what God's plan and purpose is for us. Sometimes it, we never find that out, though. That's the thing that worries me, Maureen, <laughs> is that we, we sort of hunt around trying to find what it is and we never actually find it because we're so busy hunting, we're not kind of doing. So um, trusting him, yeah, yeah. What do you think, you know, let's supposing you now today, you say, right, God, I'm for you. I'm running this race. I'm fighting the fight. I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. Okay, so I'm, I'm part of this army. I don't want to waste my time on cruises or anything else. So I'm yours. What do you think God's response to that will be? Hallelujah. Yeah. And yes, he will open windows and doors of opportunity. Of course. That's what he wants you to say. So now what will happen? When he opens a door of opportunity, what will that look like? <laughs> Maureen, go to the back of the class. <laughs> oh, was it you, Anne? Okay. Um, <laughs> well, both of you have to sit in the corner. Um, uh, he'll give you opportunities to do it. But also, what will happen is... You won't know for sure. Well, I don't think you'll be standing there, wow, this is God's purpose for my life. I think that something, there'll just be something occur to you or something or someone will say something to you or, and you'll think, oh, I, actually, I could do that. Yeah. I could do that. Yeah. Or you're a bit scary, but yeah, I can step into that. Yeah. I can do that. That's how God works. Yeah. You know, I don't think most people get a thunderclap of purpose you know, or a lightning bolt, Jane, this is your purpose, you know, and suddenly out you go, and I don't think that happens. I think we step into things, and we step into them saying to the Lord, if this is not you, I don't want it, I don't want it, but if it is you, I'm trusting you're going to do what I need for you to do through this. So um, you're not here on your own commission. That's what I'm saying. If, if God is working in and through you, you're not doing it because you necessarily have chosen this to do. It's because God is working through you. And you're thinking, oh, that's not, I could actually help with that, or I could do that. And God is, is leading you on and into the areas of ministry that he wants you in, the areas of the battle that he wants you in. And so um, this is a great confidence in that, don't you think? There's a great confidence because actually you can't go wrong. <coughs> How could you go wrong? Yeah. All God wants from you is that you know you're in a fight and that you're willing to stand. As soon as you say yes to those things, he's going to do something. So, um, and the third reason, uh, just, just to finish with Jeremiah, Jeremiah uh, chapter 1, verse 8, um, in case, uh, because do not be afraid of them, God says. Oh, well, in verse 7, but the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth, because everywhere I send you, you shall go, and all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you. Jeremiah was obviously afraid because he was young. And he just didn't think, a bit like Timothy in the New Testament, he didn't think people would take any notice of him. He thought, well, why will they listen to me? You know, and, and all of it came from his own understanding of himself. And God's saying, I want you to stop thinking about yourself and start thinking about me. Um, I will deliver you. I will deliver you. And actually, what was Jeremiah afraid of? What is the fear that Jeremiah had? Fear of people, fear of man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Fear of looking an idiot, fear of looking a fool, fear of ridicule, fear of failure, fear of people's opinions, all of that. Fear of man, fear of man. That's what Jeremiah had, because later in the chapter, God's going to say to him, do not be dismayed by their faces. And the reason he would get dismayed by their faces is because he would be afraid that they didn't want to hear what he was saying or that they were going to retaliate to, uh, to what he has said. Um, okay, so... God is with you, God will deliver you, and my presence is with you, I will give you what to say, I will deliver you. That is what God says to us, each one of us. 
Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6, Romans 8, 31, which we've already read, if God is for us, who could be against us? Um, God said to Jeremiah, um, and as he says to, to us, do not be afraid, I am with you, I will tell you what to say, I will take you where I want you to go, I will do it, and I will deliver you in all your trials. I will deliver you. First Peter, Peter will tell the, the um, believers the same thing. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. You are priests to God. You have a purpose and a calling. And um, you don't have to guess what that is. See, your purpose is simply to follow God. You don't have to find, a, you know, like the specific purpose. God will find that. You just have to decide, I'm going to follow God. Um, so, are you a Christian? Don't, if you're not, don't put your hand up. If you, <laughs> are you a Christian? Yes, a resounding yes. Do, are you a priest to God? Yes. yes, a resounding God. Even if you haven't got the uniform and the collar, you are a priest to God. Um, what is your calling? To glorify him. How do you do that? by surrendering to him and allowing him to work through you freely. So I've got some questions then. Next year, 2019. Huh? Yeah, if it comes. If it comes. I'm going to ask you to think about these things. Is the Lord Jesus calling you to lead a small group? I know, I, I love that. I just so love it, Ruth. <laughs> Is the Lord Jesus calling you to lead a small group? Is he, leading, is he calling you to start a small group, i.e. To, to get something up and running? Not necessarily to lead it, but to get it up and running. Is he calling you into a ministry with children? Is he leading you into a ministry of one-to-one -one discipleship with other believers? Is he leading you to teach a Bible study? Is he leading you into a ministry to the homeless? Or to other outsiders in our society? Is he leading you to go into prisons? Is he leading you into evangelism? Into an evangelism ministry? Is he leading you to help single mums? Single parents? Widows. Widows? Is he leading you into a ministry of hospitality? Opening up your home to anybody and everybody? Is he leading you to write something? To write a small book, to write a Bible study, to write your testimony? Is he leading you to distribute Bibles in your neighborhood? Is he leading you into missions? You see, that, these questions are questions that we need to pray about. We need to be intentional in our prayers. Yeah. Lord, I know that you're calling me. I just don't know which way to go. So show me the way. Do you believe that you are called to a specific ministry? Because that's what the Word of God says. You are called to a specific ministry. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 4-7. Paul will write to them about the gifts of the Spirit and he will say that um, now there are varieties of gifts but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. And there are varieties of effects but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Every single person, is give, believer, is given the manifestation of the Spirit to be used in a ministry that is given by the Lord Jesus, whose effects will be brought about by God the Father. 
So look at yourself, but not for too long, and understand that God has a ministry for you. He has a ministry for you. And if you don't know what that is, you just need to ask. Do you believe 1 Corinthians 12, 4-7? That's the bottom line. Do you believe that? And if you do, will you pray what I've just said? Um, I just want to spend a little bit of time with Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua, um, another man called by God who answered the call. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 to 9. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all people, to the land which I am given to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You see, there is no such thing as courage without a mission. There's no such thing as courage without a mission or without something that you need to be courageous in. And there's no such thing as faith without a challenge. Faith is built and strengthened and enlarged by challenge. You're not courageous just to be courageous. You're courageous for something. Moses had died, nothing of um, God had died, and so God came to Joshua and he gave him this uh, ministry. And he actually reiterated what Moses had already told um, Joshua. And that's really... um, what today is about. This first half of the day is about the call, about the fact that God is calling. And the second half of the day is about the arms, what the weapons are, because the day is called a call to arms. So this morning is about the call and how God calls and why he calls and who he calls and where he calls. And um, I have to learn not to be dismayed by your faces because some of them look bored. So you can't be bored. You need to smile, get your eyes to light up. Yeah, all of that, right? So, hey? Concentrate. Concentrate. <laughs> good, good, that's it. So. Okay, so uh, Moses had told Joshua of his ministry. If you want to check that out, it's Deuteronomy 34, verse 9. Moses told Joshua what his ministry would be, and, but Joshua needed to hear it from God. So this is what I want to say to you. If someone ever, whoever they are, no matter how grand, no matter how spiritually wonderful they are, if they come up to you and say, this is your ministry, I want you to say thank you very much and I want you to hold it in an open hand and then go to the Lord and say, is that right? Yeah, and make sure that God confirms it to you. Because I think there are all sorts of people doing all sorts of stuff which God has not called them to do. 34 verse 9. So, what I want to do now is take Ephesians chapter 2. We will go back to Joshua a little bit, but Ephesians chapter 2. And I want to read the verses aloud. And I want you to read them aloud with me. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. And I just want to give you an example of what I want you to do. 
And it'll be taped, so it'll be wonderful on the tape because nobody will be able to understand what's going on in the room. <laughs> Ephesians 2, and I'm just going to give you an example and then I want you to read it um, and I want you to put your name into these verses. Okay? Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. I won't read the whole lot, I'll just read a few and then we'll start again at verse 1. And Anne was dead in her trespasses and sins in which she formerly walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air and of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them Anne too formerly lived in the lusts of her flesh, indulging the desires of her flesh and her mind and was by nature a child of wrath, even as the rest. So you get the picture, right? Uh, it gets better, of course, because you get the but God, so <laughs> you can put your name in there. So I just, I mean, if you don't want to read it really loud, that's okay. But I want you to put your name in. Every time it's a we or a you, or I want you to put your name in it. Because that's what God is saying to you. This is who you used to be. But this is who you are now. So I'm going to read it. You can read it along or be silent, but put your name into these verses. Okay, and Anne, um, and Anne was dead in her trespasses and sins in which she formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them she too for formerly lived in the lusts of her flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and she was by nature a child of wrath, even as everyone else. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved Anne, even when she was dead in her transgressions, made her alive together with Christ. By grace she has been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards Anne in Christ Jesus. For by grace Anne has been saved through faith, and that not of herself, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that she may not boast. For she is his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, so that Anne would walk in them. Yeah. I wanted to, I mean, we can't do it effectively here, but go through these verses and put your name in these verses because there is a before and after here. And what he finishes with is that God created, um, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Now that is exactly God's word to Jeremiah. Before you were born... I knew you. Before you were formed in the womb, I consecrated you. This is exactly this, that God created good works for you and for me beforehand so that we would walk in them. And these, this is what we're talking about here. This is the call that God is making. You see, you've answered the call to be a Christian. You've already answered that. You've received the Lord Jesus. But I'm not sure that everybody has understood that that was a call to fight. It was a call to fight and to stand. It was a call to arms. God doesn't look for... What do you, yeah, well, you can see in those verses, God doesn't look for worthy people. He doesn't. If he did, none of us would be in the room. He takes unworthy people and he makes them what he wants them to be. He doesn't need your talent or your strength. He doesn't need your intellect. He doesn't need any of who you see in yourself because he will create what he needs in you. That's what the transformation is all about. And he doesn't need people, actually. Why does God need people? He doesn't need you. He can write the gospel in the sky. 
He doesn't need you. You could have a whole legion of angels roaming around on the earth, giving the gospel. You could have all been zapped up to the Lord. You don't, he doesn't need you to do anything. So why is he calling you to join the army? That's a question. He wants us to part, you know, yeah, to be that, but also he loves us. So why would that be an act of love? That you take up your arms and fight. Why is that love? Because that's interesting. Yeah, tell me. No. Yes, yes, he does. But I'm asking, take that one step further. How is that an act of love that I've got to fight and be attacked? Exactly, because I will learn more about him in the fight. And I will be enabled in the fight. Thank you. And I will be changed in the fight. And ultimately, if I'm changed and enabled, and if I know the presence of God in the fight, what is also true? Joy. Who said joy? Joy. Joy is true. I will be filled with joy. And every day that I stand and fight and every day that he enables me and every day that he gives me the words to say and the strength to say them, I am assured that he is with me, that his promises are true, that I am headed for glory. That's why he involves us, because he knows that we need the assurance so also think about it. He could use wonderfully powerful angels, but he doesn't. Think about the world we live in. Why does he use you and me? Yeah, yeah, because he uses broken people to relate to broken people. Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. He uses broken, weak people to relate to other broken, weak people. That's why, as Jane says, that's why Jesus came and lived as a weak human being because he, he was calling people to his life. He lived the truth of God on the planet and that's what God wants us to do. You know sorrow, don't you? You know sorrow. You know what it's like to be broken. You know what it's like to have no strength. You know what it's like to be out of control. You know that. And that's, that's what this world is. And so God will use you to speak to those people. That's why he chose you. And so with Joshua, the reason I want to look at Joshua is that it's really important to me that Joshua had to learn to be a servant before he was able to go and lead the people. And, and that's true about Jesus, isn't it? He humbled himself, taking the form of a bondservant, even to the point of death. So that's exactly what God is calling us to do. As you humble yourself, as you surrender to him, as you say there's nothing, on you, you know, nothing in me that you can use, as you say, but you are God and I know that you will do it, he is making you ready to be a little Joshua. Just as we are little Christs, aren't we? Yeah. Christians, little Christs. So that's, he's, Joshua is the forerunner, he's a type of Christ. Okay, where did Joshua lead the people? Into the promised land, into the promised land. What's the promised land? Yeah, a lot of people say it's heaven. A lot of people teach that it's heaven. I, I think it is heaven as well. But I think Joshua was leading people into the land of promise and the land of blessing. And I think Jesus led us into the land of promise and the land of blessing. And so what Joshua was doing was enabling the people to lay hold of the land of blessing that God had promised them. And that's actually what we're doing, isn't it, as we lay hold of the blessing that we have in Christ Jesus. That is the promised land in some ways. We are laying hold of the blessings. And God was very specific in his um, call to Joshua. He told him he wanted to lead the people into the land. He wanted them, him to defeat the enemy and he wanted him to claim the inheritance. If you read through Joshua chapter 1, that's what you'll see. He, he told him, I want you to lead the people into the land, I want you to defeat the enemy, and I want you to claim the inheritance. Okay, what did Jesus do? 
he did exactly the same thing. He led us into the land, he has defeated the enemy, and he wants us to claim the inheritance. He wants us to claim the inheritance. How do you claim the inheritance? Yeah, by faith. You have to take hold of it. So how do you do that? Yeah, that's always the, a good answer because it's often the, my answer, read the word. But, but how do you actually do that? I mean, how do you lay hold of the blessing? Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So, yeah, so how? How? So, what's the blessings? What's the blessings of our promised land? Be specific. What are the blessings of life in Christ? Yeah, so what's that? Yeah, yeah. Forgiveness of sins, what else? Eternal life, yeah. So within that eternal life, what are the blessings? Okay, see, see, now you're trying to tell me that I should know Jesus. He's taken you into the promised land, the land of blessing, but you can't name one blessing apart from he's given us eternal life, which is good, but, you know, forgiveness. There, love, love. What? Freedom from fear. What else? Peace. Joy. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, grace, power. Overcoming the end of victory. Right. So tell me, does that describe your life? Does that describe the life of all of the Christians you know? No. Why not? Exactly. Because we're living in Satan's world and not ours. We're living in his domain and not ours. I don't mean we're under his authority, but I mean we're just allowing him to call the shots and not living with the truth. Now, I'm not saying it's easy to live with the truth. It's not easy to lay hold of these blessings. That's why it's a fight. But you said, what, you agreed with me when I said that study the word, live the word, share the word, right? Is fighting the good fight and running the race and, and all of that. So you know the word. You're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. You have forgiveness and mercy and grace and peace and joy and kindness and love. And there's loads more. You know that, right? Yeah. So does your life live that? Do you live in joy and peace and grace and mercy? Are you sure of your forgiveness so much so that you will forgive everybody else anything? Are you gracious? Are you kind? Are you loving? Not always. <sighs> right. So that's to the extent that we're like this is the extent that we don't know the victory. We have to live the blessings and then be able to share them. Now, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying that we should all rise up on a mountaintop and stay on the mountaintop. But what I am saying is that your call from God is to lay hold of the land that you have been given. Yes. The call is part of the fight, yes. Yeah. 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 It's the fight. Yeah. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Well, what is that? If it's not laying hold of the blessings. Actually, it says laying hold of blessings in Philippians. Uh, Paul will say, I press on to lay hold of that for which I've been laid hold of in Christ Jesus. So he's pressing on. So there is this sense of fighting and moving and having to do this. And the thing is, to the extent that you live in peace, the people around you will not understand that. Yeah. How are you living yeah. with joy and peace yeah. in yeah. this messed up, ridiculous world? Yeah. The only answer is that the God you speak about is really alive in you. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying these to make you guilty. I'm just saying, 
feel guilty because none of us live at that level all the time. But what I am saying is God is calling us to this. This is the fight. Yes, but the thing, that's the thing, our inheritance is that we've been given the Holy Spirit. Yeah. To help us in this work. Yeah. And which of us truly knows the power that is inside of us mm. because Christ lives in us. Mm. You know, I sort of keep <laughs> feeling if only we knew. Exactly. 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 But this is what this is about. This is why we read the Bible. This is why we study. This is why we, we get together. This is why we share this, because we want to be part of this fight. Yeah. And we want to experience that surpassing great power that is at work towards us. We do. We want to. But, but I suppose what I'm saying, what I've been saying all year is, you have to be intentional. You have to actually choose to do this, because it won't come naturally. And because the enemy is trying to snatch you back from this. Always. He will find a million people that you can't forgive. Because they've done too many terrible things. As soon as you say, I want to live in the forgiveness of Jesus. I want to live in that land of forgiveness. He will keep finding reasons for you not to forgive. Or he will remind you of sins that you will think, how could that be forgiven? Or if you, if, he, if you say, right, I'm going to live with this peace. I'm not going to be anxious for anything, but I'm going to pray and I'm going to um, just live in this peace that passes all understanding. He will throw circumstances at you that will cause you to you know, be, feel like you're in, in a tiny boat on the middle of a rough sea. He will do anything to steal your peace. So this is what I mean. Is this, if this is not intentional, it's not going to happen. Yeah. You have to be intentional about it. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to decide. You've got to make your first decision and then keep reminding yourself that you made that decision and that this is your fight. This is your fight. But you won't fight this unless you keep your eyes up here because you'll forget because the circumstances will be so crowding in, you won't remember. When um, God called Joshua and told him, um, I said there were three things he told him to do, but he actually gave him very specific instructions, and I made a list of them because it was so interesting to me how specific the instructions were, because I think this is what God is saying to us, and it's part of the call. And so... Um, there's instructions and there's promises. I'm just going to read the... the there are 11 instructions. Uh, I won't repeat them, so if you want to look at them, you can read them in the break. The f Joshua 1, 1 to 10. So the first one is arise. So, okay, we're here today. You booked in on this day. I don't know. Now you're thinking, why did I? She's saying the same old stuff or whatever. So... You're thinking, why did I come? Well, you came because God wants to say to you, get up. Get up. That's what arise means. Thank you, Jane. Yeah, soldiers of Christ arise. So arise. That's the first thing. The second thing is cross this Jordan. If you have not crossed it yet, cross it today. If you haven't decided there is a land of blessing and I want to lay hold of it, then cross the Jordan. The third thing is, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And the fourth thing is, be strong and very courageous. Number five, be careful to do according to all the law. And you can translate law as word. Be careful to do according to all the word of God. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. That's number six. Number seven. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but that's number seven. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Number eight, meditate on it 
day and night. So the last, number eight was meditate on it, day and night. Number nine, so that you are careful to do all that is written in it. Mm. Uh, so that you are careful to do all that is written in it. Number 10, be strong and courageous. You can make this list just from looking at the verses. I know it's three times he said, be strong and courageous. So it's kind of important. And the last one, number 11, do not tremble or be dismayed. The promises, the promises. There are nine promises that I found. I am giving you this land. Number two, every place the sole of your foot treads, I have given to you. Number three, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Number four, I will, sorry, 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 no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. That's number three. Number four, I will be with you. Number five, I will not fail you nor forsake you. Number six, you shall give this people possession of this land. Number seven and eight, the first part is the same, follow my instructions. So that's the same for seven and eight, but there are two promises attached to it. You will have success and you will make your way prosperous. And then, I am the Lord your God. I am with you. You see, you would think, wouldn't you? I mean, as I say, I'll leave this on the table. You can have a look at it if you want to. Um, you would think that, that God coming to Joshua and saying, I want you to take these people into this land. You've got to cross the Jordan. You've got to fight the enemy. You've got to do all these things. You would think that that would fill him with fear. And you would think that he wouldn't be able to do it. So God comes in with all the promises. I am with you. No, no man will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. And, and, and Joshua is encouraged by that. It's not that he doesn't make mistakes as he tries to take the people into the land. It's not that he gets everything right all the time. But he does what God calls him to do. But it's based on his belief that God is with him. Yeah. That God is with him. Yeah. Because the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud, they're gone now. Yeah. So he, he hasn't got visible evidence of the presence of God. He is just like you and I. And so he's going into the land based on the promise of God. Now, God has promised you that you have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. He has promised you the presence of his spirit, his spirit in you. The powerful spirit, as Maureen says, the powerful grace of God by his spirit is within you. He has promised you that if God is for us, 
who could be against us? If you read on in Romans, he'll say that we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. So what verse are you not believing? This is the thing we have to ask ourselves. Which verse don't I believe? Do I not believe that God is with me? Why not? Do I not believe that never will he leave me nor forsake me? Why not? Do I not believe that he will, he will deliver me? That no enemy can stand against me all the days of my life? Do I not believe that? Because if you believe that, you will be living in peace and in joy. You will find forgiveness easy. You will have mercy. You will have grace. And you will fight the fight. You will. And people will receive the blessings through you. You see, the whole purpose of you fighting is so that you will know the truth, live the truth, share the truth. When you share the peace that passes all understanding in the circumstance that is so bad, other people start to think, I want that. You are starting to share and give other people the blessings that God has given you. Um, Joshua had the promise that God was with him. And that was the guarantee of victory. You have a guarantee of victory. There is absolutely no possibility that you can fail. That you will be defeated. You will win the battle. Because Christ has already won the battle for you. I'm not saying it's easy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying that the opposition isn't strong. I'm not saying that you're going to find every day like a a breeze. You're going to go through it as if you're on a cruise. You're not. This is a fight. It's a battle. But you are being called into it by a God who knows everything about you. And so what he knows that maybe you don't yet know is you are going to love the fight. You are just going to love the fight. That's what Paul said, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. You're going to love it. When you look at it from the outside, you think, oh, how is that ever going to be? I, I don't think I'm going to love that fight. But when you're in it, and you know the victory in it, and you're receiving the land that he's got for you, the blessings that he's got for you, that will fill you with joy and you will love the fight. And it won't be, well, this far and no further. It will be, right, I've come this far. I'm going on. I'm going on. Because there's more and there's more and there's more. That's what Paul said. I press on. I forget what lies behind and I press on to what lies ahead that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. And God, who knows you better than you know yourself, and who is creating in you a new self, he will ensure that you end up knowing the joy of victory. Knowing the joy of victory. To, um, to prosper and to have success... I don't need to tell you that that doesn't mean money, do I? No, good. That doesn't mean money. Prosper means actually to push forward. In the Hebrew, the word prosper means push forward. And the word success means to have wisdom and to act prudently. So I'd just love to call up some of these faith teachers, you know, preachers, who say, if you send me five pounds, you'll have immense wealth, you know. Success means to have wisdom or to act prudently. Prosper. To prosper means to, ha- to push forward. To push forward. Now think about that in terms of what God was saying to Joshua. If you do this, you're going to lay hold of the promised land. You will, have, you will be prosperous and you will have success. So if you follow my commands, you'll know wisdom. You'll act prudently and you will push forward. So interesting to know what the um, words actually mean. Um, 
So, as we are we coming to the end? What time are we supposed to finish? I don't know where I am. I've tried to go fast, and so I don't know if I've said all my notes or what I've said. Yeah, anyway. Um, so, um, if, if you want to have a definitive answer to the prosperity gospel or the name it and claim it gospel or the whatever else gospel, um, Mark um, 7, I think it is, Mark 8, 36, for what does, it what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Matthew, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and whatever it is, rust, destroy, but store up treasures in heaven. So obviously not true. You wonder how people can get deceived by it. Okay, so um, God didn't give Joshua detailed uh, plans of how he was going to take the land. He just told him that he was. And Joshua stepped out on that. And so much so that actually you get to Joshua chapter 3 and it's just before they're going to go across the um, river and take Jericho. And um, uh, God hasn't given him all the plans. He hasn't told him that all the priests are going to go in and actually put their feet in the river and cross and all of that. He doesn't know any of the details of it yet. But in Joshua 3 verse 5, I love this verse. He, Joshua says to all the people, consecrate yourselves this day. Joshua 3 verse 5. Consecrate. Then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. I just love that verse. I love that verse. Today, consecrate yourself. Set yourself apart. Decide that you will believe the truth about God and all that he has for you. That you will surrender yourself to the truth that God has about you. And tomorrow, tomorrow, God will do wonders among you. He will do wonders Yes. It's also one of my favourite verses. Because the following day they crossed the Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. And the day they crossed the Jordan was the tenth day of the first month. Yes. And they selected the Passover that. Yes. Yes. And it was yes. the tenth day that Jesus walked into Jerusalem. Yes. And the day before, it was Mary who anointed his feet before him and set him Yes. Oh, thank you, David. It is amazing. Thank you. Yeah, well, that would be a whole other day, wouldn't it? That whole, yeah, that is. Thank you. Yeah. So, <laughs> you can't hear Kim muttering here. Don't put any more in. I can't get my head around it, she said. <laughs> um, okay, so just Joshua, just on that basis of Joshua 3, verse 5, what are the things that God has prepared for you to do? These are the questions that we're going to end before lunch with. What are the things that God has prepared for you to do? Because we read Ephesians chapter 2, and we said that God has prepared good works in advance for us to do. So what are the things that God has set you apart so that he's going to do mighty wonders tomorrow through you? It's amazing that he's already organised this. Yes, yes, yes. You can't make it up, as they say. You couldn't make it up. We are very, very slow on the update. So what are the things that God has prepared for you to do? These are questions for you to ask and to ask God. What are the things that you have created in advance for me to do? What is the ministry you want me to go in? I'm going to be waking up tomorrow and I want you to help me to see the doors that you are open. Number two, when did you last reassess God's call on your life? So when did you last, first of all, understand that, that God has a call on your life? I mean, I know you answered the call to believe. That's one call. That's the gospel call. You answered the call and you were redeemed, forgiven, uh, saved. But that call came with it another call, a call to go. So when did you last reassess that call? When did you last intentionally look at your life and say, okay, I've been a Christian 20 years. I've been a Christian 10 years. Okay, what doors has God opened for me? What doors of ministry has he opened? for me? How am I ministering in this army? What am I doing? What are the things that God has given you a passion for? Because that's a really good clue as to what he's opened up for you. What are you passionate about in God's economy? 
I'm not talking about the cruise again. So what are you passionate about to do with God? <clears throat> I would like you to write some of these down. Are you consecrating yourself to the work of God? Are you consecrating yourself to the work of God? You see, that's what I meant. Nothing happens by chance. You have to intentionally do it. You, it, you can't just say, well, I'm a believer and God hasn't shown me. You have to intentionally say, I want to be used by you, Lord, and I want to surrender everything that is blocking that, your work in me. God wants you to go along with it. We've already said that. Um, are you consecrating to your, yourself to the work of God? Are you meditating day and night on the word of God? Are you praying and are you trusting that God will answer you? Really? I mean, I want to say, think about these things over lunch. Talk about these things together. Because God is calling you to fight. He is. He's calling you to fight. And the way that you fight, your specific area of fighting, your lentil patch, will be different to my lentil patch but you're being called to make a stand on it and fight. It's a call to join the fight, to understand that you are in an army and to willingly volunteer to be used by God. I thought that was the last question, but it isn't. I've got another page, sorry. One, just one quick page. There's always one more page. Um, you don't need to eat, do you? We could just go right through, right? Mm. Um, Desiring Truth, as you know, it's a ministry, um, and we're just about to embark on a new thing. Next year we'll see a new thing, which we're going to do, which is missions. We're going to do missions, and um, which we are intending to, wherever we're able to go, wherever we're invited to go, we're going to go and do our best to build up the local fellowship, the local church, whatever. Not to make a name for ourselves, but literally to go in, to help that church, to maybe encourage them with something, to do some evangelism, to do all sorts of things, to build, up, build them up, encourage them, and um, so to build the body of Christ. Because the stronger the individual fellowships are, the stronger the whole body is, and the more able we are to fight the fight and run the race. So I'm telling you that um, to say, do you want to be a part of that? Do you want to be a part of that? Pray about that. Is that something that excites you? Is that something that quickens something in you, where you hear that and you think, oh, that might be something I'd like to do? We've already started street evangelism. We're already out on the streets since our ancestor. We're going to go to other places. Do you want to be a part of that? Does that start something in you? Do you feel some sort of click in your spirit? We've already started a prayer centre where people can come for one-to-one -one a prayer or they can chat and pray over a cup of coffee and an open Bible. Do you want to be a part of that? We're going to do this one-to-one -one discipleship. Do you want to be a part of that? Do you want to be part of something that will help other believers individually to grow in their faith? This, these are not small things. These are huge things. If you hadn't had someone, somewhere, helping you in your faith, you wouldn't be here. Someone, hopefully, took some time with you. Do you want to be a part of what we do with that? We already have fellowship groups going on. Do you want to start one or lead one or join one? Do you want to be a part of that? And I'm not saying to you, see, I'm not trying to say to you, leave your church and join Desiring Truth. We're not a church, so you can't do that. But what I am saying is that there is room for more in your life. I know that because there's room for more in mine. There's room for this. Ask the Lord to lead you and direct your steps. Ask him 
to show you and to quicken your heart when you hear something, or not necessarily what I've said, but anything. Ask him and know that you are definitely being called into ministry. You are. Don't you love that? I mean, you should be saying hallelujah. It's wonderful that God would use you in ministry and that you would have effect in other believers' lives and other uh, non-believers' lives. You would have effect in their life. That's amazing. So, you're being called. He empowers everyone he calls. And he ans- all he asks is that you answer the call. Father, thank you that we are um, hearing the call. Thank you that we are understanding more about you and about how you call and the fact that you do call even us. Help us, Lord, to um, talk to one another during lunch and to help each other and to encourage each other, Lord, and, and in that to please you, really, Lord. Um, Lord, uh, that, that you would uh, speak into our hearts that you are rejoicing over us with singing because we are coming to hear your call and to answer with a yes. So I thank you, Father, for what, we, what we've heard so far, and I ask you, Lord, to be with us now as we eat and share our lunch together. In Jesus' name, amen.